Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. We're, we're, we're discussing Christmas, obviously, and, and, and we're talking about the season, but I shared earlier that obvious we know that Christmas is not a day, and, and we know that the whole world stops, and we do celebrate, and we put trees up, and we put lights up, and we sing songs, and we do ugly sweater things like we did today, and we have pajama parties and all this stuff that's just strangely pretty cool, though, strangely cool. And um, it's part of our culture. It's part of what we do. And it's, uh, to me, there's a beauty behind that because yet in the craziness, you still find time to get together and find time um, just to laugh and, and, have, and eat and, have a, and, and just be jolly together, just to use the Christmas vocabulary there. But today, I, I, I kind of want to encourage us. I want to share a message that I was actually going to share on Wednesday. And um, as I was just putting it together, I knew that I was going to bump it till today and I shared more about pause on our Wednesday midweek service. And so you could go ahead and write this down. Uh, this is the title of today's message. It's titled, He's Not Just With Us, He's In Us. How many of you could praise the Lord that he's not just with you, Amen. but that he's in us? He's not just with me, he's in me. And that's a beautiful thing. I knew God was with me um, one, one day. This is just a weird story. I, you know, sometimes I'm like, should I, while I'm up here, I'm like, should I say this or should I just stop? But... Sometimes I missed the discernment, and sometimes I hit it on the head. But I remember one time a friend of mine asked me something, and um, he said, hey, what's going on with so-and-so? I'll kind of give you the, I'll, I'll kind of leave out the details. And I looked at this friend of mine right in the eyes, and I said, man, and, I, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll do a bleep. I said, bleep, and I, that thing that we were talking about. And bleep obviously is a curse word, right? I said, bleep that. And when I said that, I remember something burning inside of me. And I said, what in the world is this? And um, I, I just went and I sat down and I just started, I just like, put my head down, like pretended I was sick. And I just was filled with conviction. It was so weird. Like I lived my whole life cursing, saying bleep this and bleep that. And on that moment, I said, man, bleep that. And when I said it, something inside of me leaped. And um, I just started saying, Lord, forgive me, Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. Take away this. And um, it was one of those, you know, moments where God just took away uh, profanity and bad words out of my vocabulary. And what was beautiful about that, that moment was real to me personally because I experienced, wait a minute, something's living inside of me. That's powerful. Two times that's happened in my beginning of my walk with the Lord. Remember that movie with um, Al Pacino that he plays the devil? I think it's called De Devil's Advocate. There was a scene, I, I shouldn't even mention the movie because now I don't want you guys to go see it. You know, it's, it's that stupid thing that you do. You mention the movie, then you all go see it. And I'm like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have done it. Whatever. In Devil's Advocate, there was a scene where the, the, I don't know if it's a woman or man, and there's demons inside of her. And the demon just starts, you, starts to move inside of her. I'm sitting down in my couch, and I'm watching it. And I remember something inside of me shook. Shook, like literally shook inside of me. And I freaked out, and I turned it off, and I was broken inside. It wasn't like whatever was on the screen jumped in me. It was like, it was something holy, something spiritual that happened within me that was rejecting what I saw there on that TV. In that moment, I recognized, I said, man, something's different now. Something's living in me. 
And, and I'm sure that there are some of you here that understand that, that Jesus is not just with you, but that Jesus is in you. How many of you could testify of that? The, the truth is not everyone that calls himself a Christian can. But, man, sons and daughters, right, man, we're, 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 Jesus is in us. And I want to talk about that. He's not just with us. He's in us. In the moment where Christ is born to Mary, the prophecy in Isaiah of the Messiah, Messiah born from a virgin is spoken of. We see it instantly in Matthew uh, chapter 1. And it brings forth a fulfillment to this Old Testament prophecy. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and verse 23, I'll read it. It says this. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You read this verse? You know this verse. And, and here is Matthew 1, 22 and 23. And what it's doing is it's referring to Isaiah chapter 7. A prophecy in the Old Testament where Emmanuel is now with us. And this word Emmanuel, or better said, this name, Jesus, Emmanuel, which would be his name, Emmanuel, it means God with us. Or with us is God. With us is God. Say that with me. With us is God. And, and, and what a declaration, what, a, what words, right, what beauty that is, that with us is God. Remember, all throughout humanity there was a distinction, there was a division where man couldn't get to God. And here we are entering 2020 and we're saying things like, with us is God. With us is God. And, and that's the beauty and the reminder of Christmas. Always, say always. Yeah. Always with us is God. Always God with us. Amen. And it's the marvel of all of this is that God does not just want to be with us. The marvel of it, the stuff that really humbles us and causes us just to be awestruck is that he also wants to be in us. Not just with us, in us. You know, in the beginning when Adam and Eve in Genesis when they sinned and, and God uh, brought forth righteous, what we would maybe call righteous judgment, but I'm not going to say just righteous judgment. Please listen to this. When Adam and Eve sinned, God brought forth righteous judgment, but also grace into this world. We always look at the story of Adam and Eve, that is the righteous judgment of God. But if you read it carefully, you'll also see the grace of God all over it. So as God brings righteous judgment and grace to the woman, to this man, and to all of the land, uh, Though all of these would receive death, which was introduced by sin, we see that he also promises that they're going to receive life. Life introduced by his righteousness. And we would see that in the fullness in the son. We would see that in the fullness in Emmanuel. We would see that in the fullness in Christ Jesus. Where, we're, where we've learned in this church that we now become the what? The righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. We know that. Paul says that. We taught that. We believe that. So, so we see that 
fully in Christ, that which separated us from him, listen to this, he was making a way now, that which separated us from him, he was now making a way to destroy it so that we may abide, and I don't want to take that word lightly today, that we may abide he in us and us in him, just like the last song we were singing. That we would learn the definition and forget the definition, but that we would learn the lifestyle of abiding. But not just that we abide in him, but there's a truth that he also abides in us. He goes on to say in Genesis, remember the whole righteous uh, judgment and grace? Okay, so he goes on to say in Genesis chapter 3, in verse 15, kind of building it up for you because there's so much scripture, so much um, Stuff here that I'm, I'm, paraphr- I'm, I'm summing up so you could get uh, kind of where I'm going to go today. But in Genesis chapter th- 3, he goes into this. But I want to speak specifically on what I want to point out at today, which is in verse 15. And one of the things that he says, God, is this. And l- listen to this. He says, to the serpent that's there, to the woman that's there, the man is there, everyone is there. Look what he says. He says, and I would put enmity, hostility between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Amen. You've heard this. I'll put hostility between you and this woman, between your seed and her seed, and you shall bruise, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. We're going to go back and come back and come back to this verse, and we're going to really uh, build everything around this verse, and you'll see that in the ending of this uh, message. So what we see here is we see seed, and the seed of what we would know as Satan, right? The seed of Satan, if that's what we're used to calling it. But as we see the seed of Satan and the seed of this woman, I want you to see really the framework of what's happening here and what's being spoken in the garden. It says they both are going to play out, both these seeds is what I'm really talking about today, are going to play out throughout history. Look what he tells them. And I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It's going to play out throughout history. And the word that I really want to focus on here is the word seed. It's a word in Hebrew which is somewhat pronounced zerah. And, and he says the word seed, which is the word sowing, which is the word fruitful. And that word zerah, it's also a sowing like cornerly in children. It's to produce and reproduce and to have children. So you get the act. You get what it means to plant a seed. So, so what happens here is there's a seed that's going to come forth. And, and we know that this could be and may be, listen, and may be a fulfillment in Christ. There's so many different views and there's so many different arguments and there's so many different things about this one little scripture right here and that's okay I'm, I'm going to talk about the seed for a moment and we know what all the different things can be and it may be a fulfillment in Christ obviously because we see that all over the New Testament we see what that Jesus overcomes Satan or any other accuser for that case he overcomes sin he overcomes death and he overcomes all these things while, while at the same time being bruised. Yes or no? Yes. We know that about Jesus. You don't have to be a scholar to know that. The Bible shows us that. He overcomes all accusations, all accuser, Satan, Satan, sin, death, hell, all while being bruised. We get it. 
In 1 John chapter 3, going through a lot of scripture today, uh, I'm going to read verse 7, 8, and 9. And it says this. It says, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Do you see abiding there by any chance? Because Jesus is righteous. It says, little children, don't let anyone deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. There is a people who practice righteousness because he's righteous. How in the world do we practice righteousness? Because Christ lives in me. And I am now walking on this earth as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Who do you think you are? I am the righteousness of God. That's exactly who I am. I'm the right. My more group, where are you more, that comes here and has Bible studies together and we go deep into this stuff. How many of us learned last Monday that, hey, wait a minute, I'm way different than how I really carry myself. We, we kind of went into that stuff. So, so think about this stuff. We practice righteous because he is righteous. Verse 8, he who sins is of the devil. Isn't that something? Because your eyes are like, oh, snap, I sin too. I'm of the devil. <laughs> well, we got to ignore the, what this is really saying here. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Um, Christmas. So, so the Son of God was manifested. What does that mean? Jesus came. Jesus entered the world. Jesus came to us first. Why? Look at the next part of this verse, verse 8. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Scripture, does it excite you like that? Verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin. How many of you can say, I have been born of God? Like I am a son and daughter of God. How many of you can really say that? All right, let's read this verse again for all you ameners. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. The world does that mean? <laughs> should, I say, should I say amen? But look what it says here. For his seed, everyone say seed. seed. There's that word again in the New Testament. Okay, Genesis chapter 3.15, and I will put enmity, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Emphasizing what? New birth. The word seed here in the Greek, can I give it to you? Okay, good. I was going to give it to you if you said no, but it's the word sperma. It's the word that we get sperm from. Sperma is the word for seed. Sperma, say it with me. Sperma. Welcome to church. Sperma. You're all here because of sperma, so relax. Right? Just wanted to make sure you knew that. Just in case you thought you were just some scientific science project. No, you're... All right, here we go. For his seed remains in him. This is crazy because if I translate this into its proper language and I substitute the word seed for sperma, I'm actually saying, for God's sperma remains in me. Does that stuff sound weird to you? <laughs> Mary was like, 
Mary was like, and how will I be pregnant? How will I be pregnant if I've never known a man? And the Holy Spirit, the angel's like, his sperma will go into, <laughs> he's going to come into you, man. He's going to become alive in you. He's going to come alive in you. So his seed remains in me. He cannot sin because he's born of God. I love how the English standard uh, comments on this verse. I'm going to read it just as it comments because why should I reinvent something that I agree 100% with? Look what it says. It says this. No one who abides, just so you can know what the whole sinning thing is really talking about here. Here it is, and I think it's written properly here. It says, no one who abides and no one who remains keeps on sinning. That's what it's saying here. True followers of Christ do not, here it is, here it is, do not recklessly and habitually violate what their anointing has planted within them. So it's not like, oh my God, so what do you mean? That I have to live a life without sin? No, what I'm saying is, and what the writer of scripture is saying here is, that you're not habitually and recklessly violating what the anointing has put inside of you. That's so good, man. That those who do habitually sin have neither seen him or known him, and they are not genuine Christians. They could say they are. They could say they took classes. They could say they've been attending church their whole life. They could say, but they are not genuine followers of Jesus Christ. You have to just fight that with the scripture. You have to fight that with the word of God. So... What is John speaking of here? It's our individuals who have twisted or misunderstood. This is why I stressed the word abide earlier. They've twisted or misunderstood what abiding in Christ really is. They can be, listen, listen to what I wrote here. They, be, they, they can be Christians by association, but not by presence. I want to make sure you hear that. They could be Christians by association, but not by presence. Two totally different things. Because you fill out a card and you become a member of a community of believers. And then you come faithfully. That could be as easily as becoming a Christian by association. But I'm speaking to a specific people that goes beyond association. And it's, I am a, I am a son and daughter of God who lives in presence. I associate with presence. Amen? What a, these are powerful scriptures. I'm going to get somewhere. I'm going to bring all this together. I'm going to eventually make this puzzle hopefully fit into a picture that God wanted to paint for us, I believe, today. And it's based off this phrase that he's not just with us. He's what? He's in us. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 for a moment. The message is actually not a long message today. I'm like halfway done. The ending's a little long, though. <laughs> he's, he's not just with us, he's in us. Back to Genesis 3. It says, and I will put enmity, I will put what we know as the word hostility, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. You know, I, I read that, I'm like, okay, we always grab that stuff, and we say, it's, that's Jesus, yep, born of a woman, that's, that's definitely Jesus, and yeah, I'm not going to fight you against that, 100%. But just as it's about Jesus, I'm going to say this. This may also be speaking about us as well. Why not? Why can it not be speaking about us? In Romans chapter 6, verse 14, 
should be taking notes, a lot of scripture today. It says this, for sin shall have no dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see both those passages? Unite them together a little bit there with Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. See what you get out of it and see if you're not in this picture as well. And I believe this, well, why should we be in this picture? It's all about Jesus anyways. It's never about us. I know. But did you forget who you are? You are the host. You, you are the one who hosts God's presence. Jesus lives inside of you. Give yourself some credit that Christ, you are the temple of God. You're the temple of God. Christ in us. And if Christ is in us, now what are we doing? Us what? Us what? Christ in us. So now we finish the sentence with us. Now us defeating death. Us defeating sin. Us defeating hell. Everyone say Christ defeats sin, right? Christ defeats hell. Christ, Christ, Christ defeats death. But, but is, it, is it wrong if I say this? We defeat sin. We defeat hell. I'm feeling like you guys are disagreeing with me. And we defeat what was the third thing I said? Death. That's going. Death. It's a many, many men to Christ defeats those things, but it's also a many, many men because I defeat those things as well. And who do you think you are? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Christ in me. He's not just with me, he's in me. And if he has victory in those things, I have victory in those things in Christ as well. Yes, all of it is still pointing to Christ. It's still, I have victory in those things in Christ as well. So he's not just with me, he's in me. So I like this verse. I'll read it again. So between your seed and her seed. I, I like this. Because we read this passage and, and I say Christ in us and us defeating death, us defeating sin, us defeating hell. Our heels, please listen to this, our heels. Remember Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, foundational verse of this message today. Our heels may be bruised, but that Listen, which accuses us, the accuser, it continues to remain under our feet. Genesis 3.15 says it. Between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So if I say, wait a minute, if Christ is me and we are continually going through this process of defeating death, sin, and hell, then my heels may be bruised against the accuser and accusation. But regardless of my heels being bruised, there's one thing that is sure in scripture, it remains under my feet because of the one who lives in me. So the bruise under your feet can serve more as a reminder to you than it does as a hurt. Listen to this. That you are actually more than a conqueror because Emmanuel is in you, Christmas is in you, so you've defeated and you're defeating hell, sin, and death. What I mean is he's not just with you. What I'm saying is, he's also in you. So between your seed and her seed, you shall bruise his head and you shall bruise your heel. It's still being played out throughout all of history, not just with Jesus and Satan. Romans 8, 29 tells us that, yes, Jesus is the firstborn among many what? Among many children, meaning what? There are many brethren, sons and daughters that come from the firstborn who is Jesus Christ. 
I believe I share something with the firstborn. You know, if, if, if Paul could say things like, and now in baptism, you receive his death, burial, and resurrection. If I can receive the same death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, I could also receive Genesis 3.15. That death, sin, and hell is under this seed's foot. Who are we to take away from scripture and not put the whole scripture and abide by all of it? So when I read that, I'm like, wow, this stuff is more. So, so what, I'm, what, what is it that God was pointing to my heart? It's this, that the legacy continues. I love that word. The legacy continues in us, the children of God. Since the cross, yes, and since, the, since Christmas, we have been fulfilling this prophecy. All throughout history, the children of God have walked on this land and have what? Have bruised sin. All throughout history, the children of God have walked on this land and have what? Have bruised death and have bruised hell under their feet. Hmm. I don't know where you guys stood because I know in the church this gets um, mixed, re- mixed feelings. But I'll say it anyways to stir the pot a little bit. When the police officer female in Texas shot the black man in his apartment. Remember that? That stuff was crazy, man. Because the brother came out on TV and he was sitting down. He looks at the woman that killed his own brother. And he said, I just want to get up here from here and I want to hug you. And I want you to know that we forgive you. And we forgive you for what you've done, for killing our brother. And we just want to love you today. And we just want you to know that you're forgiven. He, she starts to weep. They meet in the middle of the courtroom and they start hugging and weeping. And everyone is appalled. Everyone's appalled. Some people said they are misusing the righteousness of God and the holiness of God. And da 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 da. And so many, I saw a lot of Christians that were against it. I saw many other Christians that were supporting it. Other people were supporting it. But I looked at that and I said, that was a big statement because that young man right there in his faith, what did he decide to do? He decided to say, I'm up here on this stand. This woman just killed my brother. I'm going to keep the bitterness and the hatred, and I'm going to ask for her death, and I'm going to return. Nah. Instead, this hurt me. This hurt me. It bruised my heel. And I'm probably going to stay with this bruised heel for the rest of my life. You're not going to be able to ever take away the bruised heel. But just because you bruised my heel doesn't mean that I'm going to allow you to have victory over me. So what does he do? He says, you bruised my heel, but I'm still going to what? To defeat death. To defeat sin. To defeat this case. You're forgiven. That's powerful. That's powerful because I really believe that that only happens... In the truth that something different lives within that individual. It doesn't take away. I'm sorry if, if your view is a little bit. I'm not even debating the views. I'm just saying what happened on that day in the courtroom. All throughout history, the children of God have walked and are still walking. And what are they doing? What are we doing? What are you doing? Hopefully it's this. You're bruising what? Sin. You're bruising what? On your heel. Death. You're bruising what? On your heel hell. You know that whole thing when you get up from, from your bed and you stamp on your first foot, all of hell screams. I forgot the saying, you know. 
But that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're defeating these things. Galatians chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 26 through 29. It says this, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's no more separation, guys. Look at verse 28. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. I love that. There's no rich or poor. There's no this and that. It's, we're all in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? Look at verse 29 with me. And if you are agreeing with verse 26 and 27 and 28, and if you are Christ, as you just said, amen, then you're also Abraham's sperma. There it is again. You're Abraham's seed. And you're heirs according to the promise. You're Abraham's. You're, you're a sperma. Go ahead and um, look up this Greek word a little bit more. Not only is it spedma, you know what else that word means? As spedma, it means also remnant. You're a remnant. You're a continuation. You're a legacy. That's why when you look at my children, I say, that's my seed. What is that? They come from my seed, but that's my seed, meaning they're the remnant. They're the legacy. There, when we pass, that continues to go. And when they pass that on and they continue to go. That was the days of old. That's what everyone looked for to, and to continue the name and to continue the word, continue it. And, and that's why during the old days, people wished for sons and all that. But this word seed here, meaning remnants, it's powerful because when you look at that word remnant, it means the remaining quantity of something or the small remaining quantity of something. The remaining, everyone say the remaining. Yeah, the remaining, meaning the remaining strands the, the remnant strands. So when you read Galatians 3 and you read 1 John and you read all these passages that talk about that we now have the seed in us, what we're also saying is that we are the remnant. We are the remnant strands of what then? Of who? Of Jesus. We are the remnant strands of heaven. We are the remnant strands of his gospel. And it's speaking in us and it's speaking through us. Oh, God, if you would just come back and just, like, set everyone straight. And he's like, what do you mean? Why are you waiting for my coming? Let my second coming be within you. You enter into the room and become the what? The remnant strand of the gospel of Jesus Christ that what? Destroys the atmosphere of the enemy and brings forth light in the midst of darkness. Oh, but I'm just praying that you would do it. I am going to do it in my what? In my seed. <laughs> In my remnants, in the remnant strands of those who continue it. Such a powerful thing. You, you know in Mark chapter 13 when Jesus is speaking of the parable of the fig tree. And he goes on to say this one, uh, just this one verse for a moment. Have you ever read this verse in Mark 13, 31? He says, what? Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. So my creation, heaven and earth, is going to pass away. But there's one thing that will remain forever. My word by no means pass away. Well, I thought that was very interesting. I, th I thought about this. Tell me if you agree with this. A Bible just open in a room. A Bible just open in a room doesn't do any good. It's just a Bible open in a room. It doesn't do any good. 
There are many people who have Bibles in their nightstands and in their living rooms, yet there is no Christ in their homes. Many people have this open. Some people have it right when you walk in. It's in the front. It's in the front. If that's you, I'm not talking about you. I completely forgot that you had that. <laughs> just in case. But if you are, whatever, I'm just going to say. So some people have it right in that table. And it's open. It's the first thing you see. And it's the big one, you know. And, and you walk in and, and it's like, whoa, this is the, the word. You know, you don't know what to do when you enter the house. You're like, you know, you're just, you don't know, I take the Lord's Supper, communion. This is holy, a holy house. But all joking aside, many people could do that. But that doesn't mean anything. It's just an open Bible. An open Bible does not mean that Christ is in their homes. This is, this is about a seed. This is about a seed that lives on. The seed of God that lives in us. Amen. A seed of God that makes us, that lives in us, making us his continual seed. The gospel continues to live because there's a strand that continues to live that is going to live out and is going to speak it out. Listen, death will continue to lose. All accusers and Satan will continue to lose. Accusers will continue to lose. Hell will continue to lose. Sin will continue to lose. Can you just confirm that in your own heart today? Why would all these things, as we celebrate Christmas, why can we make this stance today and say these words that all sin and hell and accusations, all of these things will continue to lose? Well, because there is a strand, there is a remnant that declares that the Lord is not just with them, but he's also in them. And they will persevere in victory and will never cease from conquering. If I am on this earth, I am called to what? He's not done with me. I am called to continue conquering. I am called to continue to walk it out, to be the seed, to be the strand. That we will bruise sin and death on its head and do what now? As you bruise with the rest of your life sin and death on its head, now what you do, you show the marks of victory. And how do you show the marks of victory? You lift up your feet and you show the bruise under your feet. And you say, those bruises have a story to tell. Jesus wins. Jesus won, wins, and will continue to win. I won, win, and will continue to win because the seed of Christ lives in me. And you show the bruise. I love that when Jesus comes in to see the disciples, he says, if it's you, show us your, your marks. And he shows them the marks. And they said, it surely is him. He testified of his marks, of the victory, of that in which he conquered Ask the worship team to come up as we close up. Listen to this. That bruise, listen to this. The bruise is given not by being afflicted. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to do here before I finish this sentence, I'm going to just pause here for a second and rewind. I'm trying to get me, starting with me, and I'm trying to get us to maybe think differently. And that's the hardest thing we could do, right, is to make, cause ourselves to think differently. And to cause someone else to think differently? Let, let me tell you what I mean by this. Many people, I'm talking about me and I'm talking about us. Many people will live giving the stories of their affliction. Giving their stories of being trampled on. You guys know what I mean by that? And we're talking about, I'll read it one more time just for the sake of reading it. And I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So as I close off, I thought about this as we were 
talking about this and I said, hmm, so the bruise that I've been given, it's given to me not just because I'm the afflicted, but if you really study Genesis 3.15 carefully, the bruise is given because I've been called to be the afflictor. I'm afflicting them, destroying the plans of darkness. It's not given to me because I'm being trampled. Have you noticed that the bruise is not on my head? The bruise is actually on your heel. So the bruise, when we look at it, it's actually not because we're being trampled or because he was trampled, but it's because we are trampling and because he is trampling. We're trampling upon. That's your call. That's our call. This is part of the reason for Christmas. Sin was trampling over our lives. Death was destroying us. Emmanuel comes. God comes. And now he's in us. And in Christ being in us, and we went through the whole seed, now he gives us victory. And there's a powerful truth in scripture. That death, well, what does Paul say? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? What is, really say, what is it really saying there? That before Christ came, now I have a promise. Now as Christ has come and lives inside of me. That now that which once had dominion and conquered and was beating me, now I have dominion and I have conquered and I beat over it. I trample over the things that lived its life trampling over me. Why? Because I'm the remnant. I am the seed. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words by no means will pass. I am the sperma of God that continues to live. We are the remnant strands of heaven that remain here on earth. That he is not just with us, but this whole Christmas stuff, it's all about that he's also in us. And because of that, I'm not to be walked over. From this day forward, I'm called to walk over. I'm called to walk over. So I want to do something as we close off here. How many of you are living a life in Christ? You say it's a life in Christ. Yes. But I want you to just to meditate, just to take this moment and search deep within your heart, deep within you. Some of you, like, I don't even have to search. It's so evident, man. I just need, I need God. But how many of you could say that I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm heavy. Instead of my heel being bruised, I feel like it's my whole body. I feel like it's my head being bruised. And I need to learn what it really means to be more than a conqueror in Christ. I need to really live and abide in Christ and Christ abide in me. So that this seed will constantly go against that seed. And that daily I will trample upon those things. And that my feet would give testimony. The Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who take the good news. I'm wondering it's because if you were to look at the feet, 
they're full of bruises in the bottom. And those bruises are not bruises that they've been beaten. But the one who takes the gospel, those are bruises that display that they have beaten. That they're conquering. So today, if that's you today, and we're in this perfect time of Christmas, and you recognize the last thing that I'm doing is living out as a remnant strand, conquering sin, conquering hell, conquering death, conquering Satan. I'm in constant, I live in constant defeat. And I know that Christ came into this world so that I could have victory. And in Jesus Christ today, from here going forward, I want to begin to have victory in my life. And I want to stop living in defeat. I'm going to be the one who defeats. And I want Christmas to remain alive in me. I am the seed of God. The seed of God is alive in me. I am the remnant. I am heaven on earth. I am the gospel on earth. The Christ on earth. So that many others will come to know him. If you could stand with me and if you need prayer today. And you know that this is for you. Come on, open up your heart and say, that's me. I want to accept this calling today. I want to accept this. There's nothing that I can do, anyone can do. But if you want to come up here and just fall on your knees, you can. There's nothing that these hands, our hands can do over you. There's nothing that our words can speak over you. Maybe we'll just put our arms around you and put our hands on you and just come in agreement with you. And give you encouragement and love you. We'll be in unity there for a little while in prayer and just encourage each other. But if you know that you're called to be the victory and that you're called to be the, to live with the seed of God inside of you and things are to change in your life and you just need to allow God and surrender and allow God to have that. Feel free to come up and we'll get around you and we'll come in agreement and we'll say yes and amen with you. We'll say yes and amen and believe with you and declare with you so as worship sings a song over us I invite you if you want to do that if not right there where you're standing what a beautiful time this is to just come to this place to recognize man I, God you're just Lord you're not just with me you're in me and that's my desire become so alive in me Christmas becomes so alive in me Emmanuel Jesus becomes so alive in me Come on, let that be your prayer. Don't wait for them to start singing. Start praying. Start having your time with God. Come on, your sons and daughters. You could go before his throne at any time, at any moment. He already invites you. You don't need me to invite you. Enter into the throne. The throne of grace. Come on, come boldly. Come with confidence. Before the presence of your God. Hallelujah.